NRL 720 podcast this week. Carrot, you're on the line. How are you, buddy? Very good, thanks, mate. Yourself? Good, mate. Um, cool air at the moment. Footy season usually leads one thing, state of origin. Are you uh, a little bit amped or are you ready to, like, rip in Wednesday week? Oh, mate, is there a better time of the year? Um, there yeah, footy's in, footy's in full swing. Two Queensland sides in the top four and hopefully a Maroons series victory. That's it, mate. Fucking... <laughs> Nothing like beating a New South Wales team, especially on a Wednesday. You know, Thursday you wake up, you're still wearing your Queensland jersey. It's got a few beers spilt on it. Like, you know, you, you smell, you haven't had a shower, you know. Hopefully, if it's a good night, you maybe got the leg over with the missus. Like, usually it's always a good night, you know, if Queensland win origin. And um, if they lose, it's it's usually the opposite. You've taken the jersey off probably 10 minutes to go before full time. You know, you've, you've probably stayed up a little bit later and had a few more drinks and then you've probably... Had a shit with the missus, and then uh, you're sleeping on the couch. So it's it's usually one way or the other when it comes to an origin night. So hopefully for us, mate, it's a, it's a victory. Fingers crossed, mate. It's, it's uh, looking pretty promising. The boys, yeah, it looks like a good side anyway. Yeah, well, we all get into the selections. Uh, basically, this week's episode is going to be probably 90% state of origin talk, and uh, there's only four games this weekend, so we'll quickly go through those at the end. But, uh, mate, to go through origin, mate, we'll start with the beginning. Uh, your favourite origin moment. Um, you're a young whippersnapper. What are you, 22, 23, Carrot? Ah, going on 33, mate, but yeah. That's all right. Well, you've experienced a bit of origin, mate. So favourite moment, if you can pick one out of the, the many, many years that you've been watching it, mate. Was there one that sticks out the most? Can't really remember the um, uh, coin try. I was a little bit yeah. too young for that one. That probably would be a pretty... Now watching watching the replays of it, obviously it's probably the, one of the best moments mm-hmm. of state of origin history. But mate, two thousand and six when Bokia oh. picks the ball up and dies between the posts and we win win the O six series, that was probably probably the highlight for me, mate. That was um, yeah, that was that was it was the start start of a bit of a dynasty and that was, a, it was. one of the best years O six. And, and the other one was Billy Slater's, obviously Billy Slater chip kick over the top and regather oh, himself. Yeah. Those three yeah. moments were all my top three moments anyway. Did New South Wales have any good moments? I mean, I guess when they broke the eight-year streak, that was sort of a big moment for them. I um, I can't really think of too many like big sort of game-winning moments they've had. Queensland have had quite a few in State of Origin, but with New South Wales, I mean, I yeah, like when they won that the series to break the eight years and Jared Haynes crying and things like that. I can't remember too many where they might have uh, got up over us in a big moment. Was it a couple of years ago when Tedesco scored in the corner? They oh, Mitchell that's Pierce right. Threw a cutout ball and they won it. On the series right at the end, that was probably... That was right. When yeah, uh, DC decided not to go for a 40-metre field goal, he just hooked a big bomb in the middle of the air. And, uh, yeah, D- Tedesco goes running up the other side of the field, bloody, with 10 seconds to go. Yeah, I think it was a bit of redemption for Pierce. I think he'd lost, like, what, four or five series? It's something ridiculous. So, yeah. Um, I, that's probably one of the only moments that I can remember, actually, in New South Wales, having, having that sort of moment. But that was, that was their coin moment, I suppose, you could say. Yeah, for me, you did touch on it earlier. Um, the Mark Coyne try in 1994, unfortunately, I was old enough, so I do remember that one uh, in my early days of watching rugby league. Uh, I remember watching it with uh, mum and dad, and uh, as we did every every year for State of Origin, we all stayed up and watched it as a family event. And uh, I do remember them scoring uh, a try, and uh, you know they were down by like eight or ten points, I think, with uh, five, six minutes to go, and mum and dad have gone, no, nah, fuck it, that's it, going to bed, not going to watch the rest of the game. It was... 
a few Queensland supporters do. They get a bit salty when they know they can't win it. And I was like, no, no, I'm going to stay up. And then I remember Willie Khan crossing a few minutes later. And I'm like, oh, we got a, we got a chance here. If we can, we can score in the last minute or so, you know. And then, uh, yeah, I remember when Renoff made that break down the sideline and he got the offload and he just... When, when he made the offload to Smith, I just thought, nah, we're going to score here. You could just see the boys were lined up back to the right. Alfie onto Meninga, Meninga onto Coin, and it was just like, oh, it's, yeah, here we go. So that's, uh, still gives me chills watching that because uh, I do remember watching it live. And uh, I remember jumping up and down and going, yes, we won. And I remember dad saying, shut up, what are you doing? We're all asleep. And I'm like, we fucking won, we won. <laughs> so he's like, what? <laughs> and he come running back out and he's like, holy shit, yeah, right. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that one will definitely always stand out for me. And I think even a couple of years ago, the what was it, 2019, 2020, the, uh, the bunch of nobodies that were 100 to 1 to win the series, I think that was a pretty memorable one. DCE sort of captaining that bunch of nobodies that no one gave a chance and uh, the star studded New South Wales team and somehow they got up uh, in game three of that series. So I thought that was a, that was a pretty good moment too, I thought. Yeah, that's probably a bit like Fatty's, Fatty's side. Bunch of 95. Nobodies, little young kids, 95 when yeah, Benny Iken and that. Yeah, pulled out of nowhere and played. So yeah, it's probably similar vibes to that, I suppose. Best moment for me in that series was uh, uh, was a Jamie Goddard absolutely landing one on Joey Johns' jaw. Yeah. And I think he gave him a bunch of stitches up the side of his mouth. So that was that's uh, <laughs> one of my favourite moments from the '95 series. Yeah, they didn't get into many fights after that. The boys. <laughs> no, they've broken it down a bit these days. Uh, first Origin hero. Oh, I have to be Alfie, mate. Um, yeah, I've always been a Darren Lockyer man, but uh, he was sort of. I was a little bit before my time, uh, a little bit before I was starting on Alfie. And yeah, Alfie Langer, mate, his, for a bloke, his size and stature to play, he's yeah, definitely more hero, set of origin hero, and especially when Wayne Bennett flew him back for that origin series. What year was that yeah. when he flew him back? That was like early 2000s, I think it was. That was, a, that was another fairy tale you can always put in there. Like, that's, yeah, the guy had been over in England for a couple of years. He was no good sort of his last year in, in uh, Australia playing in the NRL. I think that was 99 maybe his last season. And, um, yeah, hadn't been heard of for a couple of years. And then, yeah, Uncle, Uncle Wayne gets him on the plane and didn't tell anybody. And then uh, I can pick him up from the airport. And apparently he's being picked for Queensland. And uh, I think they put 40 on New South Wales that night. And it was an absolute just sort of where did that come from? And, uh Honestly, I, I did watch a lot of Alfie's career through the 90s. Um, I reckon that was his greatest game ever. I never saw him play better than what he did that night. That was just an absolute perfect way to, to go out, I thought. Yeah, I think Alfie always played his best footy when it was ad-lib sort of stuff and there was no pressure on him. and mm. It just sort of eyes up footy, I suppose. So, yeah. yeah, coming back, I think no one expected him to do anything and he just put on an absolute masterclass that night. That was a yeah. great moment. For me, uh, like I said, I am a little bit older than you, so uh, the king, Wally Lewis. Uh, I just remember watching him sort of very early 90s, like 90, 91, just those last couple of years before he did hang it up. But uh, I remember growing up watching all the uh, 80s origin highlights. I remember having a VHS tape that I used to watch nonstop. I think it got worn out by the time uh, DVDs and that came in. But, uh, yeah, I remember watching all the old 80s highlight videos and just Wally just absolutely dominating the blues. So... Yeah, I got to meet the great man. Uh, I think uh, coming home from junior cricket one day, he was actually at the Bowley Barn pub up in Townsville. Shout out to the Bowley Barn. And uh, yeah, he, uh, I just come home. Dad was like, yep, bring Jason here. I got someone to meet him. And it was uh, King Wally. And 
I'd had to get a signature off him and I was in my cricket gear and all I had was my uh, Kookaburra Dean Jones bat and so Wally signed that and uh, played the rest of the season with uh, Wally Lewis's signature on my uh, Kookaburra. So that was a, a nice meeting of my origin hero. So, yeah, nah, always love the great man. So, uh, mate, we'll get into the team selections. Um, we'll go to New South Wales first because there was a few contentious ones there, people that did get picked and didn't make it. Uh, no Angus Crichton, uh, no Jakey Turbo, no uh, Josh Adokar, no Campbell Graham. Uh, yet someone like Joseph Sawali made the extended bench. Uh, what do you make of some of the selections that they made? Yeah, I was very surprised that he didn't go with... Uh, I know Jake has been pretty poor. I've made a few comments about him this year. I think I think there's been a couple of games this year where he's made like two or three runs of the ball. I know he makes a gazillion tackles a game, but... Mm. Yeah, I, I still think he's an origin player. Like, mm. There's got to be a little bit of pick-and-stick mentality when you won a series pretty well. They convincingly won the first two games. Um, but, yeah, obviously, Freddie's going for a going for a more um, dynamic sort of side, I suppose, and he doesn't believe that Jake adds anything to it. Um, same as Ado, Ado Carr. Yeah, it's a big call not not selecting him. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's playing in a doggies team that, you know, aren't really scoring a lot of points. So he's, still, he's still looking good, but, I mean... A winger can only do so much, you know, if he's playing in a pretty dog shit team, which the Bulldogs have been this year. I mean, it's not his fault that he's not getting a lot of opportunities to score tries and attack. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's any fault that himself. But, you know, they've gone Daniel Tupu, they've gone Brian Tyro, two guys who I know will do the job. But mm, bit bit interesting. I mean, you know, Jack White and back there in the centres again. Obviously, no Luttrell, uh, no Tommy Turbo for them. So... That sort of hurts their superstar stocks in the back line a little bit. I think it's probably the the weakest back line we've seen from New South Wales in recent years just because of Latrell and, and Tommy Turbo not being there. Um, Katoni Staggs gets his first look in and Jack Whiten's not really a, a day-in, day-out centre. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go there, I think. Um, the Ford well, I think a- the last time Jack Whiten played in the centres for New South Wales, he had something like seven or eight missed tackles in that mm. game. He got absolutely... Was it Dane Gagai that was, I think it was Gagai that was the centre against him. Yeah. And he just absolutely bathed him that day. And um, big call when you got Crichton sitting on the bench. Maybe that's Freddie's idea if Whiten's having a proper shocker. He can just throw Crichton in there. But yeah, anyway, anyway, hopefully hopefully he does have a shocker for Queensland. Yeah, that's it. Now, the Ford pack for New South Wales, I, if you ask me, there's really only one guy there who's probably saying you'd have he's having a form year, and that's Isaiah Yao, who's been one of the best players in the comp this year. But... You know, Payne Haas, a little bit in different form at the Broncos, had a few really good games, a few really quiet games. He's obviously got that contract dispute that's been happening in, in recent days. Damian Cook hasn't really been lighting the world on fire for South Sydney. Um, Junior Paulo, he's sort of solid. Um, Cameron Murray only just coming back from an injury. And Tarek Sims for the Dragons, I just, that's a very vulnerable looking forward pack if you ask me. Yeah, I think if Queensland can get up early, I think they can definitely definitely dominate that forward back. Cameron Murray and Jose Yeo are, are absolute guns. But yeah, I think with Queensland, Queensland's mobility, with Cotter and Carrigan going through the middle, I reckon they can, I reckon they can dom- dominate early. Mm. And even looking at the bench, I mean, they've got Stephen Crichton on the bench. I'm not... I don't know if he's really much of utility. Obviously, you can put him anywhere from one through five, but... Um, yeah, usually the utility sort of is someone who can fill maybe just a few more positions than like an outside back. Um, Liam Martin, Regan Campbell-Gillard, Ryan Madison, all kind of solid forwards, I think. I don't, I'm not 
I'm not really scared of anyone. I mean, Stephen Crichton can obviously be a bit of a, a game changer and a game breaker in the last 15, 20 minutes, but sort of depends where you put him. I'm not sure, unless there's an injury in the back five, like where, where's Crichton going to play? Yeah, I, I think it's a strange decision. That's why I would have, I wonder if they'll have a late change and Whiten goes to the bench because Whiten's such a big body, he could play in the forwards. You could just throw him up the middle and yep. he could probably, you know, play the last 15, 20 minutes as just a, just a ball runner up the middle. So. I'm very surprised Nico bench, Hines didn't get. Utility. I'm very surprised Nico Hines did not get that 14. I just thought he can play anywhere one yeah, six but, seven and nine if there's a key injury to a Cleary or a Luai or something like that. Um, he can even probably slot in and, and fill in it at lock as well. So yeah, I don't know. I just I really thought they missed out there not putting Nico at 14 because he just seems like a perfect utility at, at rep level for me anyway. Yeah, I think listening to Freddie, he said that. If there's an entry in the back line, Crichton can fill in anywhere, and then Whiten can fill in in the halves anywhere in, in that one six seven and nine. So mm. that's maybe what he's thinking. But yeah, I would have thought Nico would have been the man off the bench if he's maybe yeah. Well, he's blooding Crichton, so he can't say that he doesn't want to blood another youngster. But because he's blooding Crichton, so yeah, it's a, it's a hard one that bench utility sport. Like either go like Queensland has and go with Harry Grant, who's just a sole hooker. Mm. Um, and then, then you hope that nothing happens to Ben Hunt because Ben Hunt can obviously fill in in that six, seven, and nine if something happens. So, mm. um, yeah, it's a tough, tough choice that um, bench sport for sure. Yeah, interesting. I will. It'll be you know keen to see how New South Wales do approach this game because, like I said, there's probably no. I mean, there is strike in their forward pack, but I, I just by looking at it, it looks like they're really going to try and run Queensland sort of sideline to sideline and, and maybe get some speed up the middle because that it does seem like it's a very fast-paced looking team that they've picked. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do that, especially in a game one in sort of cold, slippery conditions in Sydney. So, uh, yeah, very interesting to see the selections that Freddie's had. Now, for Queensland, um, the selections for me that I thought stood out the most, Ruben Cotter, I mean, there was rumours that he was probably going to make it. I didn't expect he was going to be starting at lock. Um, I really thought... For sure, he was going to be a bench utility spot, um, and somehow he's got the 13. Antonio Cafusi, I don't know. Uh, sorry, Felice Cafusi, he's, I don't know, <laughs> is he done as, a, as an origin player? Like, I know they like to pick and stick with guys who have been loyal over the years, but, um, yeah, I, I'm not really sure on that selection there. Uh, and Selwyn Cobbo making his origin debut for Queensland in a hostile New South Wales arena. I just, again, I probably would have preferred maybe they had put a little bit more experience. They've put Val and Gay Guy in the centres. I would have preferred maybe one of them to maybe go to the wing and then maybe put Capewell, which he's done in the past, back into the centres just to sort of give him a bit of a defensive identity out, out wide. And, uh, you know, they could have picked maybe one of their other forwards to start. So uh, what are your selections there on the ideas there? Yeah, I don't like the idea of Capewell going to the centres. I think he, he he played there last year in the first game and over and played badly, but I think he's just a bit too... He's too slow in the centre game now. They're just too agile and nimble for him, especially up against Stags. I think Stags would be too quick for him. Um, I think that's the idea of probably Nanai on the bench, I think. I don't think I don't see Kafusi playing playing the full 80. I just think it'll be too much for him with his age and everything. And he got shown up a fair bit last year by Murray. I think it was Murray and mm. Sims out wide last year. They were yeah. same two out wide. So yeah. he got shown up a fair bit there. So I'd say I'd say Nanai's going to come on and probably play the last 20 or 30 and, and go in for Kafusi would be my idea. I really can't see Nanai going into the middle. You'd imagine Cotter would probably play 60, 60 plus minutes. So 
and Carrigan can play a big minute. Yeah, that's where I sort of see Nanai. And Nanai is obviously going to be there next year. You, you'd imagine they'll bloody him this year, and he'll be the full time back rower next year. And someone like Lukey or or Effafita can ever find form again. So they have got a couple of options looking forward. Queensland, I think this will be the sort of change over here with Capewell and Kafusi probably there last year in the state of origin side anyway. Yeah, look, I mean, I think they've picked the right seventeen. Uh, like apart from Kafusi, like I, I could probably, I wouldn't have been too shocked if they had dropped him all together, but they're probably staying loyal because he has done the job for him over the years. I just think some of the selections, and Queensland do like to throw a bit of a curveball at New South Wales when it comes to team selections. I wouldn't, putting Tino at the eight instead of the 13 and putting Cotter at 13, oh, I don't know. I can just probably see some late changes. I could probably see Lindsay Collins maybe starting at eight, maybe Tino going to 13 and Cotter back to the bench. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if that's what Queensland do. Um, like I said, I think they've picked the right players. I think there's just a few selections there. And I don't know about the two hookers. Uh, I know Benny Hunt has always played great for Queensland and he's a good utility. But again, could they maybe put Hunt to the bench and maybe they start Harry Grant and then Ben Hunt is sort of a bit of a utility sort of 14 for him or something like that? Yeah, I think there's a few question marks with Harry. I think he's a bit crook and his groin's a little bit iffy at the moment. So I think they're probably thinking um, we'd just need Harry Grant at some form, whether he plays 40 or 50 minutes, as long as we can get something out of Harry, is better than nothing. I think it's probably the thinking more than that. So mm. I think it sort of showed last year too, the intensity and the way it is and how quick Harry plays the game. It's probably going to be tougher in the last for 80 minutes at origin until his body gets a bit more used to it. So, yeah, I like the idea of Hunt. And I'm probably, I don't mind the idea of Hunt starting either. He's, he's a great defender up the middle. So. If Hunt is going to uh, probably play at least 60 minutes or so of this game and probably be at the nine and Harry maybe comes on in the last 20, 25, um, like you said, Harry's not 100%. Would it have been a better idea maybe to even put someone like Tommy Dearden just to go and let rip in the last 20 minutes and come on as a utility or hook a roll and just sort of let him go at it, sort of all the tired New South Wales forwards? Oh, I think Harry will play more than the last 20. I reckon Hunt will probably play the first 20 or, 30, or 25, 30 minutes and then Harry will come on. Mm. Um, and then Hunt will probably just shift to the bench, I'd imagine, if there's an injury. And if there's no injury, probably come on the last 10 or 15 if needed. So Harry adds so much in attack. I think that's going to be Queensland's big draw. Uh, um, surprise that New South Wales don't have off the bench. New South Wales don't have any impact off the bench. So, you know, you imagine after 24, 30 minutes bringing Harry Green on the field, it's going to be... Yeah, it's gonna, it, sh- it should be our secret weapon, hopefully, anyway. Yep. Now, New South Wales, Freddie's been the coach there for a while. He's had Brandy Alexander and uh, Danny Badiris there helping him the last few years. So a bit of um, you know solidarity, I guess, in the coaching ranks. The players are used to the coaches and how they want to play. Queensland, they've sort of uh, had a few new guys come to the role. I mean, two years ago, it was Wayne Bennett just sort of doing a one-and-done year uh, with Queensland. Last year, we had Paul Green. This year, Billy Slater makes his debut. He's got Jonathan Thurston and Cam Smith as his deputies. Uh, how do you think the new trio for Queensland is going to go? Yeah, I think it'll be good, mate. I think I think they're going down the same path. Like I said, New South Wales are going down for that. Someone who's just passionate about the state and is not an NRL coach or hasn't been one, which we haven't really had since. I suppose Mel Meninga, but I think Mel Meninga was just the head figure, I think. Um, Michael Hagen. Um, right. Yeah, Michael Hagen. I think he was the real real coach behind the scenes and done all yep. the plays and everything. And yep. I think he was just a bit of a figure there for the media and that old Mel. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. I've heard some pretty big raps about Billy, but, yeah, we won't know until they run out in the field, I suppose, and how much influence he does have over the players. I think with Smith with Smith and Thurston there around him, it's, yeah, mate, if the boys can't get fired up listening next 
Thurstow and Smithy before before with the pregame, and I think that they never will be. Yeah, look, Smithy's already sort of a little bit thin on top with the hair, and uh, Billy's gotten a couple of grey hairs in the last couple of years since he retired. So, uh, you know, <laughs> the pressure cooker arena of uh, coaching state of origin, we just might see their hair go to another level, I think, after this series. But uh, hopefully as Queenslanders, the boys get the job done and they listen to those three legends, and, uh, yeah, they can instill a bit of their origin knowledge onto them. Now... Our motto is always run it straight. We haven't done it for a couple of weeks, but a special State of Origin edition. Carrot, who do you want to run it straight next Wednesday night? Darwin Cobbo, mate. I just hope the young fellow mm. just absolutely, I hope the young fellow just plays exactly the way he's been playing for the Broncos and just, yeah, runs a clean, stra- clean straight over Jack White and start the series off to be beautiful. <laughs> I hate to admit it. He has been in fantastic form the last few weeks. Um, he definitely has gotten – seems like he's just growing in confidence absolutely every single week that he plays. Um, yeah, he definitely injects himself and he's got plenty of X factor about him. So, uh, look, could join a, a long list of good – Big barnstorming Queensland wingers that have come in the past, guys like Wendell and Lottie Takiri and that. So, uh, yeah, it'd be good to see if Cobbo can sort of, uh, you know, put his big foot forward and uh, get over the top of some of those yucky cockroach blue players. Um, for me, it's going to be purely biased for me because uh, this guy really has kind of struggled at, at club level most of the season, but... I really want to see Caelan Ponger and probably his other Newcastle compatriot, Dane Gagai, sort of run it straight. Gagai missed a lot of tackles in the game on the weekend. Um, hasn't been in the best of form since coming back from a fractured cheekbone. But, uh, yeah, Gagai sort of does grow an extra leg or two when he puts on that maroon jersey. So if Gagai usually plays well, Queensland usually does. And uh, for Caelan Ponger, yeah, for him as well. Like, maybe he's just lacking a bit of confidence. He's dropped a lot of easy balls and, and kicks and bombs this year. So... I really want to see him come out, have a good game for, for Queensland and maybe take some of that confidence back with him to, to Newcastle for the second half of the season because they absolutely need it down the bottom at the moment. They're battling for the wooden spoon instead of the top eight. So, uh, yeah, I've probably got two guys that I want to run straight this week. So we'll see how they go. Now, the format, Carrot, uh, in the last few years, obviously COVID sort of thrown a bit of a spanner in the works, but this is actually New South Wales' first game in front of their home fans since 2019. So, you know, they're going to be absolutely rattling the cages once they uh, get to the ground next Wednesday night, all the Blues fans. Um, this format they've done in recent years where they have one in Queensland, one in New South Wales, and usually one to a you know state that doesn't have a team really in it, and that's usually sort of uh, Perth, Adelaide, or Melbourne. Uh, thoughts on that new format? They seem to have gone away where the whole one one state will get two home games one year and then it goes back the other way the, the following year. So how do you feel about all these uh, you know neighbouring, I guess, states getting one of our biggest games of the year each year? Yeah, I think it's purely economical from... Uh, Valandi's point of view I think taking the game obviously all the other states would bet on the game and whoever comes up with the most amount of money for the NRL will get them so uh, yeah, I like the idea actually to be honest I think otherwise one one state always has a complaint up their sleeve they say well you had two home games you should have won the series so mm. I like the idea I probably like the idea of the third one maybe being the away that way it's the decider maybe so neither side can have an advantage going to the last game but um, but then again, if you win the first one, I suppose it's a pretty big advantage as well. So, yep. yeah, mate, I like the idea of it being away. Um, I know people say that it should be in the home state, rah, rah, but I think purely from a even evenness point of view, it, it makes it, yeah, like I said, it, neither side can have a complaint. And, um, yeah, look, if Perth want to get 50,000 people off the stadium, then well and good. Who's, <laughs> who's to say no to it? Now, we're pretty staunch Queensland footy supporters. Um, why do we hate New South Wales so much? I don't know, it's just in the 
I don't know, it's just something you, when you're born, if you're born in Queensland and I should say 99% of Queenslanders who are born in Queensland and raised in Queensland, it's just, I don't know, it's just born in your blood ever since you watch your first first state of origin game and you watch, you know, Billy Moore yelling out Queenslander or, you know, Wally Lewis or Artie Beetson giving their all. It's, yeah, I don't know, it's just in, in your blood, I suppose. Uh, what, what is worse, meeting someone from the other state during the state of origin series and seeing them in their blue jumper uh, or someone who was born and bred and lives in Queensland but supports New South Wales? Oh, mate, there's nothing, nothing worse than someone. We both know a man who was born and bred in Queensland, but I think his father or cousin or a step, step-great-uncle were born in New South Wales or something, so he claims to be a New South Wales, New South Welshman. So, mm. yeah, I've got no idea how that, how that even could possibly work. So, yeah, nothing worse than someone who's born and bred. Yeah. You can understand if you're born in Queensland and moved there when you're five, six or something, or if you're born in New South Wales and moved across, but... Yeah, mate, if you're born in Queensland, you really have no choice but to support Queensland. Yeah, they're the worst type of people. We're absolute shit cunts. Um, what do you hate more? Interest rate rises, badly cooked steak, or someone in a New South Wales jersey? <laughs> mate, for probably, what, three nights of the year, someone in a New South Wales jersey. <laughs> rest of the, the rest of the time, the interest rates rises, obviously. But, uh, yeah, for three Wednesday nights of the year. Luckily, it's not on. Is there, do they have a Sunday game this year? Hopefully there is. The ga- game. game two in Adelaide actually is a Sunday. Um, I'm not sure why that is. I think maybe the Monday could be like Queen's birthday, which we don't get in Queensland because we moved it. Uh, yeah, the one in Perth. Yeah, second one in Perth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perth yeah. one, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, that's uh, Queen's that's birthday. A, yeah. I think they do that for the whole weekend. There's no NRL games. So like, that's when they have yeah. like Tonga and... Tonga and Samoa are playing that week because I was seeing that uh, actually Tupu and Stags have got to make a decision whether they're going to play for New South Wales or Tonga in that one. So wow. um, They've already made that decision, haven't they? <laughs> they're already playing for New South Wales. No, apparently for the next, like, they apparently can because they're still classified as second-tier nations and they still play for New South Wales. So right, okay. In Queensland, in Queensland in the second-tier nations and then you can go and play as long as you were still born and by all the rules, you oh. can, can be Queensland, New South Wales, which I don't understand it, but anyway. How many origin um, rules have there been over the years? I mean, even a year or so ago, they were asking if Jason Tamalolo could be a Queenslander, and on a technicality, he moved to Queensland six months too late. Apparently, if he moved there when he was 12 years old, he could have played for Queensland, but because he moved to, to Townsville when he was 13, uh, he was ineligible. I, I just... it's. <laughs> And we've had players who were born in the other state, um, you know, guys like, you know, uh, what was it, Greg Inglis was actually born in New South Wales, ended up playing for Queensland. Uh, Peter Sterling was born in Toowoomba, ended up playing for New South Wales. You know, Luke Keary was born in Ipswich, he ended up playing for New South Wales. So, yeah, some of the some of the rules are just a bit of a joke. I mean, we've had, even had, you know, Kiwis, born and bred Kiwis, actually play for, for both Queensland and New South Wales. So, these eligibility rules, I mean... <laughs> someone's just got to make a clear and current rule and just stick by it instead of just changing it each year and where you went to high school and, and crap like that or when your mum and dad decided to get in the car and move into state like it's it's a bit loosey-goosey some of those rules I think yeah mate yeah that's probably right. I think it's not too bad now they sort of have a bit of a line now with um, Ronaldo Mulatalo not being able to play last year at least there's mm. a few rules in place now so hopefully they just stick with these rules and yeah they abide by them now and I still like the idea of letting them play for Samoa and Tonga and that because yeah. rugby league's not strong enough to, to not be allowed to. And plus, it's $30,000 a game these lads are getting for playing in the state of origin. Like who's, who in their right mind is going to turn up $30,000 for 80 minutes of footy? So they're obviously all going to want to play state of origin first and foremost. Three more questions, mate. Uh, score and prediction for Wednesday night? 
I actually think Queensland will win, mate. Before, with the start of the year, if you had have asked me, I would have said, you know, we are absolutely no chance of winning the State of Origin series. We looked an absolute rebels. Um, there was just no one putting their hands up, and now all of a sudden, want to be round twelve, and I'm actually pretty confident we can get the win. Obviously, no Turbo and Latrell is the mm. that's the defi- that's the defining point. We made a Turbo and Latrell are both like they are last year going mm. into the series. I'd I'd be backing New South Wales. Tipping them, but I think Queensland can get the job done. I think they can get the job down down in New South Wales. I think they've, I think they've picked a better side. I think all their players are in form. I don't, you know, the two knights, Ponga and Gagai, but Ponga and Gagai both played at State of Origin before, and they both lift. They both seem to lift quite heavily when they come and play for State of Origin. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm going to tip. I'm going to tip Queensland, mate. I think it's going to be. It's going to be a decent scoring game and tip points in 20 points to 16. I see a close one. Usually game one is a close one in the series. Um, both teams usually, you know, sussing each other out and, and the coaching strategies. Uh, I have got a few question marks over the New South Wales team, even though game one is in New South Wales. Um, I've got Queensland 17-16 with a daily Cherry Evans field goal to win it for, for the Maroons. Um, what's better, a cane toad or a cockroach? Oh, mate. They're both, they're, horrible. they're both pests. <laughs> <laughs> oh, neither, 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 mate. I don't know where we get cane toads from. It's got to be the worst animal alive. <laughs> yeah, neither of them you want crawling up your leg in the middle of the night, that's for sure. All right. Well, what's a better beer, a 4X Gold or a Han Super Dry? Yeah, mate, it's got to be a 4X. got to yeah. be a 4X. Absolutely. There was no choice. No choice when we were growing up was no, 4X. So there wasn't, mate. There was, no, the, yeah, there was there one was beer. No, nothing else. No. Yeah, mate. Yeah, these great Northerns and all this. There was nothing else. You either drank Forex or Forex or rum. That was your yeah, two choices. So. <laughs> Still, the only choices today, mate. Come on. And one last one on State of Origin. What's the better color, red slash maroon or blue? Oh, mate. Does, does anyone like blue? To be honest. Oh, look, I'll admit, uh, blue looks good on me. It brings out my eyes and my my skin complexion. Like when I put a nice blue shirt on. Um, but uh, yeah, mate. Red maroon, absolutely all day, every day. Um, funnily enough, they're the two colours of the Newcastle jersey. So there you go, <laughs> uh, mate. A couple of things to get into before we briefly look at the four games that are playing this weekend in the NRL. Um, Jared Croker, he dislocated his shoulder again, but this time while he was reaching for the TV remote at home, and now he's going to be out and probably have surgery. Uh, have you ever injured yourself doing just a normal everyday life thing? I have, mate. I hurt me back. I think it was it was last year. I bent down in the bottom of the fridge to grab something out of the um, fruit and veggie drawer down the bottom, and I done me back as well. Done the old pinch the back, and that's when I knew my younger days were finished. So I can <laughs> I can uh, understand to a very, very, very lesser degree. Uh, Jerry Croker's pain, but um, yeah, poor fella, he can't catch a break. You just bet guarantee he's got to medically retire now. Poor old Jared. I think he's for his uh, his skill level and what he is. He's done. He's had a heck of a career, and he's got every every little thing out of his body, Jared. Isn't he? Yeah, he does. Um, glad to hear you were getting something out of the fruit and veg section, mate. I'm glad you haven't let yourself go up there in uh, middle of Queensland. So, still eating, still eating healthy, mate. Got to eat healthy, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Good example for the young fella, at least. That's it, mate. That's it. Uh, mate, as a Broncos supporter, you've obviously probably kept all your three eyes on the Payne Haas situation. Um, a few days back, he asked for a release just before their their game on the weekend. He's under contract for another two years. 
Now, the whole story with Payne Arce, it's been going on for probably about 12, 18 months now. He refused to sign an extension this whole time. He was trying to change management and didn't want to sign a new deal until he changed managers. Now, he's changed his management team. Um, but he's never signed an exist an extension on his contract. He signed a six year deal back in 2018, so that finishes 2024. They did upgrade him last year, so the last couple of years of his deal, he was going to be on a lot more money. I think originally he'd signed for maybe 400 a year. I think now he's on about 750 or something a year. He had the incident with police last year which the Broncos helped him through. He had the incident with Albert Kelly a few few weeks back with the whole new white shoes outside of the Broncos Leagues Club. Uh, mate, now it seems like they've they've come to terms and he is going to see out the last two years of his contract. Now, as a Broncos supporter, A, how do you feel about that? B, do you still want him there even though it looks like he clearly doesn't want to be there? Uh, it depends on his performance is a lot, mate, as long as he's not moping around and Apparently, before the Titans text, um, before the Titans game last week, he sent everyone a text message saying that he was 100 percent behind um, behind the boys and was going to give him his all. And to his credit, it, it was probably a little bit quiet, but to, for Payne Haas's standards against the Titans, but for any other front row in the game, they would have gladly gladly taken that game. And most front rowers don't play games like that all year. I think he still made 100 and something meters and 29 tackles and 16 hit ups. So you know, it's probably a little bit quiet for Payne, but. Yeah, he did give his all, and I was pretty worried that his performance might have been a bit down against the Titans, but it wasn't. So as long as his performance is there, mate, and he's not moping around and he's not a distraction to anyone in the club, then I think he's got to see out his contract. Um, hopefully we don't upgrade him and give him a million dollars or a million dollars plus a year because that would be, well, yeah, I think that would be take your, ta- take your bias one-eye Broncos hat off. If you were to make a prediction now, if you were to put money on, do you think Payne Haas is a Bronco till the end of his deal in 2024. Oh, yeah, mate, I can't, I can't see him leaving. I can, unless, unless another club is going to offer us a player, you know, sell some sort of a great deal to take him out, then... And how many NRL clubs have a million dollars to spend on a front row? Well, honestly, who's got that sort of money in their cap for the next, next season or two? Well, there's plenty of bad teams that spend a lot of money on players they probably don't need. So uh, I think there's always teams out there with salary cap space if they need it. Uh, in particular, you know, a certain expansion team that has a lot of cash to spend uh, next year and haven't really signed any marquee players. So, you know, out of oh, a $10-11 million dollar salary cap, I think they've probably spent about four hundred grand of it. So I think uh, they've only signed Q Cup players really at this stage. So, I mean, they've... Uh, They've got a lot of money to spend. I mean, the the Titans down the road, you know, they've got a, a few of his good mates of his that, that play there in, in Tino and that, and Molo and some of those guys, and Mo Fadawaka. I know they're all pretty tight with Payne Haas, and uh, they even gave his brother, Payne, uh, Payne's brother, a, a two-year deal there. So, um, you know, there's a lot of ties with him just down the road at the Gold Coast. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, whenever I've... I, I don't really know too much about Payne Haas and, this, and obviously the Broncos situation. All I know is whenever this has happened, whenever there's been an unhappy player, he always ends up leaving. Yeah, the player always usually gets what he wants. The club can stand firm as much as they want, but all it takes is for him to get offside with the coach, not respond to some of the players in the locker room, uh, maybe not give as hard a performance as he want week in and week out. I mean, he can say it all now because it's fresh, but... What's he going to be like after origin time? What if he's a bit banged up and bruised? You know, if he's feeling a bit of a sore shoulder or a bit of a sore knee, oh, no, good boys, I'm no good to go this week, and then it lingers for two or three weeks and he can't play. I don't know. I've just always seen, and it's not just in rugby league, it's in sport everywhere. Whenever you've got an unhappy player who doesn't want to be there, 
usually by the time he wants to leave, he, he usually gets his wish. So I just I just think that that could be a bit of a deterrent because the Broncos are flying high at the moment and this off-field distraction is probably just something you don't really want. It's going to be interesting. Like, Broncos 12 months probably would have self-imploded and he would have walked away and everything. But I think the club's in a completely different position now. And I, I think I was, with Adam Reynolds leading the group, I think it's a pretty good culture there now. Mm. Um, and I just don't think he'll, he'll... As club captain, I don't think he'll allow anything or standards to slip. So, um, yeah, look, if someone takes him, if someone's prepared to offer him a million and he, wa- he wants to go and the club will let him go, then all well and good. But at this stage, he's got a contract for the next two years and... Oh, I, don't, I don't know. I think Payne Hask gets a lot of bad advice, and I think he's a very gullible sort of person from what I've heard. And I think old Money Bill Williams is advising him. So, you know, he's a, you can say what you want, but I think he's a pretty horrible role model with what he's done in his career in terms of reneging on contracts and just taking the money. So, yeah, look, if he's standing slip and everything, I think Kevy and Reynolds and Benny Ike will be the first to ship him off. But as long as he's still performing and everything, then he's got a two year contract as far as I'm concerned, anyway. Yeah, mate, you got to get as much money as you can because uh, white shoes aren't cheap these days. And uh, if teammates keep stepping on them, and you got to keep buying new white shoes, mate, you got to, you know, if you can get a better deal elsewhere, I think you got to take it. So, yeah, that's it, mate. <laughs> all right, mate. We've only got four games, so uh, in the NRL this weekend, all the Origin stars are obviously off, getting ready for next week's big game. So. We'll quickly go through round 13. Thursday night at Seabus Stadium, the Gold Coast Titans are hosting the NQ Cowboys. This would have been probably an interesting game. Uh, teams at full strength, but obviously the Origin players are out. The Cowboys had six players uh, selected for Queensland. Only three are actually in the 17. The other three are actually back playing for the club this week. The Cowboys, even though missing a few players, they're still looking like a pretty decent team. Uh, Tal Malolo's back from an MCL, which was only not even two weeks ago, so I'm not even sure if he's 100% ready to go, but uh, he's obviously back, seeing that this might be a, a crucial game that they need to win. Uh, how do you see this one going, Carrot? I'll still tip the Cowboys, I think. Um, Tommy Deard, an 18th man, will hurt him a bit. Benny Hampton out in 5-8 is not, not ideal for him. Yeah, I think there would have been a few calls. And Todd Payton uh, asking if he could... <laughs> Or at least Tommy Deer. It's a strange one having Tommy Deer as 18th man. Usually it's an outside back who can cover mm. anything. Having Tommy as an 18th man, that's obviously HIA as well. So That to me also that. points the fact that when you spoke about Harry not being 100%, that just maybe he's there because Harry isn't 100% and maybe that's going to be a, a game day call that if Harry isn't 100% and doesn't pass his fitness test, maybe they want to keep Tommy Deer and fresh because it does seem weird that, yeah, they've... um. They've told him that he's got to be there at 18th man out of the five or six guys that they picked in their extended squad. Um, he's yeah, the, I didn't think about that, actually. That's, yeah, you're probably, probably right there, mate. Like, Tommy's a very good defender, actually, for his size and everything. He probably could be pretty decent at hooker for 30 minutes, so 20, 30 minutes. So, mm. yeah, he might, might, be on the, might be on the ball there, mate. Because well, just got to read the tea leaves, so that's that's what I read into it yeah. anyway. So Yeah, it's strange. Like, the 18th man, if like, obviously a foul player, that HIA comes into it, then... Mm. Yeah, I don't know what Tommy's going to add. Tommy's going to add coming in as 18th man. He looks said nine times out of ten, it's a it's an outside back who can play a little bit of forwards or something. So yep. yeah, you might be right there, mate. But um, yeah, he'll be a big loss for the Cowboys. But oh, they got sort of with the rest of their side there with Townsend, Drinky, uh, Robson, uh, Lukey. Lukey will just step straight in there on the edge uh, with Gilbert. Uh, yeah, I don't know, mate. The Titans for the first 40 minutes, I would have said I would have tipped the Titans for sure, but <laughs> a 20, 30 minute period after half time, they were diabolical. So I'm going to tip the care. I'm going to tip the Cowboys, mate. I think 
I think they'll just have too much momentum. And, maybe um, maybe half time, full time bet Titans to lead at half time and Cowboys to be leading at full time. Yeah, mate. I think that'll be the most popular bet of the weekend. I'd say. Um, yeah, and probably to Alagi to score a try. That'll be probably that'll be probably my tip for the week. Yeah, Portino, twenty three hit ups, two hundred and seventy one meters against the Broncos. He. Uh, Definitely couldn't have done any more that he could against the Broncos, but uh, obviously it wasn't enough. Um, Dave Feeder obviously out injured for a few more weeks. Apparently he's got a recurrence of that injury he had earlier, so he came back a little too soon, and now he's going to be missing the next few games as well. Uh, Friday night, the Panthers are hosting the Bulldogs. Um, this is absolutely the time you want to have Penrith on your calendar is when they're missing half their team due to origin. Do the Doggies have a chance to get a win here? Mate, if they're ever going to win a game this year, surely. Surely it's this weekend. Uh Actually, I'm still going to tip the Panthers. That's, wow. I'd say about the, about the doggies. Uh, I think with Appy, Appy and Dylan Edwards there. And young O'Sullivan was pretty good to start the year. So mm. I think, what are they missing? Isaiah Yo and Martin. Isaiah Yo is a huge loss. But yeah. still got Fish and Harris, Kikio, Tago, May out, out wide. So mm. mate, I'm still going to tip the Panthers. So. Wow. That's, how bad the dogs, that's how bad the dogs are. So Matt Burton and Kyle Flanagan will not be able to beat Kurt Falls and Sean O'Sullivan. Oh, sure. Yeah, I don't know, mate. I don't know. Like I said, if, <laughs> if, they, if they don't win this weekend, then, uh, yeah, Phil Gould should just, uh, I think Phil Gould should just walk away and retire. Yeah, they, if they can't win this game, they won't win a game the rest of the season. I'll say that right now. If they can't beat a Penrith team missing, what is it, 10 players due origin, um, yeah, they got no chance this year. They might as well just go to New South Wales Cup. Saturday at Four Pines Park in Sydney, 7.35, Manly hosting the Warriors. Uh, Manly, they've put John Schuster at the six and four in at the seven. Obviously, Daly Cherry Evans being away. Turbo is still out. I guess the positive for them, Jakey Turbo didn't actually get selected, so he can uh, line up for, for Manly. Uh, the Warriors, um, I think this is probably a game they could sneak in and win. They've kind of had a couple of okay performances this year, but... Manly, I think not having Turbo and DC is going to be probably too much of a, a loss for them. So, how do you see it, Carrot? I'm going to tip the Seagulls, mate. I, I, mm. I think, I think Henchy was on the podcast a few weeks ago after that Warriors game when they played the um, Sharks and they had 11 players for 11 players for 10 minutes and 12 players for pretty much the whole game, and they still couldn't win. So, yeah, yeah, they were they were all right in the first sort of 10 15 minutes. They looked all right against the Knights, but. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, mate. I think, like I said, I think Jakey will be pretty fired up. And for I think, well, I think without Cherry Evans, too, um, sort of does too much sometimes for the Seagulls. So, pretty keen to see how Schuster goes at five eight on the left front of the show. I think if he can, if he can have a big game, um, yeah, I'm going to tip the Seagulls just because the Warriors are abysmal. I'm just purely going on that, as you said, DC does do a lot for him. But what he does do, he probably has one of the top two, if not maybe the best kicking game in. The NRL, and uh, you're going to be relying on John Schuster and Kieran Foran to do all the kicking duties. I just, uh, yeah, I just, I can't, I can't see a lot of quality at the end of their sets happening for Manly, and uh, at least with Sean Johnson and Reese Walsh there for uh, the Warriors, I think, uh, I don't know, I just think that might be just a little bit more too much class than what maybe Manly can offer, but we will see. Uh, the round closes off Sunday, 4pm at GIO Stadium in Canberra, the Raiders hosting the Roosters. I've seen jokes during the week that unless you played for the Panthers or the Roosters, you basically didn't get a look in to play for New South Wales this year. So that pretty much dominated 80% of the Origin team this year. Um, how do you see this one going? Uh, yeah, it should be a good game, mate. Whiten's a huge loss for the Raiders. Raiders were very impressive against the Eels. Mm. 
um, on Sunday. That was one of the best games, best games of the season. That one. So if they can take that sort of momentum into the Roosters game, it, it should be a cracker of a game. I don't know. The Roosters don't lose anything by losing Teddy. I know that sort of sounds funny, but Manu's Manu could walk in and play fullback for probably you know, 12, 12 or thirteen other NRL clubs and be one of the best players in the comp. Like he's mm. he's that good of a player. Um, he should be playing fullback actually at another club. It would be nice to see, but um, they sort of don't lose a lot, and they keep their spine really. You know, with Watto, yep. Watto, Kiri, and um, Young Walker there. So and Drew Hutchinson as well. So actually, Drew Hutchinson has yeah. been named to start at nine, and Watto coming off the bench. Um, yeah, I don't like know I said, Ang- Angus Crichton not getting selected, so that's a big plus for them as well. So yeah, be an interesting game. Uh, definitely, if White was there, I would have liked to have seen this, but I think he's probably a bit of a big out along with Jared Croker. Um, yeah, I probably see the Roosters maybe just getting up, but it will be an entertaining game, this one, I think. Yeah, I'll tip the, I'll tip the Roosters. They were, they were that first half against the Sharks, they were really, that was their best half of the year, and they were they absolutely destroyed the Sharks. So if they can keep that form up, I think Whiten's too big of a loss for the Raiders, so I'll tip the, tip the Roosters as well, mate. That's going to do it for NRL 720 Podcast for this week. Carrot, make sure you get out in the backyard and squash any cockroaches as you run in the back paddock, mate. Will do, mate. Up the mighty maroon. That's it, mate. Get the 4X ready and we can't wait for next Wednesday. Enjoy the footy this weekend, everyone. We'll see you next week. Cheers, mate.